0: Smell that? Cat pee. Cat pee.
1: Before we even see the clumps of yellow pitcher plants ahead, we smell them. Our guide today is Andy Wood, Director of Coastal Plain Conservation Group, and I'm Rachel Lewis Hilburn, and you are in the wild coastal plain of southeastern North Carolina.
0: It's not unlike a La Brea tar pit, you know, where a a muskox or a bison gets trapped and that draws in a saber-toothed lion or a bear to feed on it, it gets stuck and suddenly you've got a pool of tar loaded with various animals. And so we have that with the yellow pitcher.
1: In each episode... We meet a plant or an animal endemic to this biodiversity hotspot so we can better understand our coastal plain ecosystem and who lives here with us. Right now, we're exploring Holly Shelter, a nature preserve and game land in Pender County that boasts tens of thousands of acres, one of the last great pieces of connected natural area in southeastern North Carolina. That's because humans are rapidly building all around it. These are pitcher plants? Yellow pitcher
0: plant. And this is a low wet spot that's now naturally populated. These weren't planted, these got here naturally. So they were here already, which is evidence that this was a wetland to begin. And they've just taken over in here robustly because it's a a perfect habitat for them. This is a profusion. They're thick, and if you tried to dig a hole in there, you would, if you plunged a shovel into that, you'd hit rhizome, the underground stem of all those pitcher plants. They're all interwoven, like fabric, and so that's that's a bed of pitcher plants.
1: In between the trees, pond pine, longleaf, loblolly, we're standing on the edge of what looks like a small pond. The yellow heads of blooming pitcher plants outline the perimeter. Yellow pitcher plants bloom here in April and May, producing flowers with five bright yellow drooping petals.
0: The flowers, they're they are surreal, they look alien. The fun thing about them is when you have a plant in a pot that's blooming and you're using it in a program and you've got it in your car, Uh, suddenly it smells like a cat has relieved itself in your car. It smells like cat urine. It is just not attractive. So you don't see them often in floral arrangements.
1: But if they weren't quite so foul-smelling, you might. As Andy just said, they look exotic, sort of alien. According to the US Forest Service, they can grow up to three feet tall with green or sometimes red veined stems, long tubes that hold a mysterious and deadly cocktail for their prey. These tubes, or pitchers, are protected on top by a flap or a hood. What role do they play in the ecosystem here?
0: They are apex predators of insects and
1: some spiders and even snails. We walk towards them to get a closer look. Andy picks up an old dead plant to
0: show me. You can see... It's a long tubular stem, it it grows as a hollow tube, and what happens, the plant secretes something, we think, right here, that serves as a draw to ants and wasps in particular. So they'll climb up the stem, drink on this, and as they're moving around, it's like walking on a railroad tie, and you you have a good chance of falling out. To the, to the left, or if you fall to the right, you're going to drop down into this tube, which in the living plant, and you can feel it's fairly smooth. Mm-hmm. And when it's alive, the inside is covered in loose, waxy cells. So the claws on the end of an ant or wasp's feet can't get a purchase, and as they struggle, they're slowly dropping down into this tube, trying to get away. And because it narrows as it goes to the root, the insect gets bound tighter and tighter and it can't move any much more. It keeps slipping further and further down. Meanwhile, the plant is releasing acids and enzymes similar to the contents of our saliva that will slowly begin to digest the insect after it finally suffocates having slipped down tight into this tube, screaming and hollering for help the whole
1: time. It's really, oh, it's it's harsh. No, you're making that up. Well, they don't scream. No, so, okay, so my story about that, non-expert, would be the ant or the insect gets drunk, and as he slides down the tube, he loses consciousness. There is that.
0: That's what I go with. I've, I've long said that they're drinking this and they get drunk and stumble and fall down in there. So I'm not going to dispute you. I, I, that's a much happier story. <laughs> they just fall asleep and then get slowly digested by the plant, which that's, that's pretty rough.
1: He picks up another dead yellow pitcher plant and he points to holes in the tube.
0: And those are created by a caterpillar that uses this leaf as a place to transform from caterpillar to adult moth. And if you squeeze on this...
1: He opens up the stem.
0: You'll see that it's loaded with the dried remains of last year's meals. It it looks like compost. It's a little ecosystem in each one of these plants all of this material this brown organic looking material is the indigestible and inedible parts mostly of ants so what i've just done is scraped out just a not even a fingernail's worth of material on a knife blade and you're looking at hundreds of ant heads which are not the digestible parts The moth doesn't eat it. The plant can't digest it. So those are ant heads. All of this, the bulk of this is chitinous material, ant heads, thorax parts, bits of leg. Uh, Under a microscope, it's really cool to, to look at all of these things and see how many different kinds of animals were trapped by this pitcher plant. And it might be a dozen or more different insects that got caught.
1: And so they're still identifiable under, you can see their heads.
0: Because you can see their head, yeah. And, you know, some of them are not identifiable, but, yeah, there are some that can be. And the deeper you go, you'll find smaller things, obviously, because they got down further. But also, you'll find up near the top, that's where the, the pieces of wasp are found and flies and and daddy long legs and things like that that are drawn to the smell of decomposing, digesting insects.
1: Remember Andy's comparison at the beginning to a La Brea tar pit? The smell of the first group draws the next group of predators. They get caught and drown, and the smell of their decomposition draws the next level of predator, and so on. A massive ecosystem in what is, to us, a small plant. In the living plant,
0: in the living leaf,
1: this... And you just picked a dead one. Yeah, these are all dead.
0: When fire comes through, this will all be gone. This is a roof of sorts that covers the entrance, the top of the opening.
1: That's the hood we described earlier.
0: And so when it rains, rain hits that roof and is shunted away. Because if rainwater gets into this tube the plant's just gonna fall over. It, it can't stand up filled with water. Unlike its cousin, the purple pitcher plant, and it's interesting that there are no purple pitcher plants in here, it's a more low-growing pitcher, and its opening is exposed to the air because its trap, its um, phytotelma leaf pond, fills with water, and that water is what drowns its prey. So insects are drawn to the purple pitcher plant leaf. They fall into the trap, hit rainwater with very little surface tension. They sink and drown and then get digested by acids and enzymes produced by the plant, but probably more aided by other things that live in that water, bacteria, protozoans, and mosquito larvae that feed on that drowned insect and then those bacteria protozoan and mosquitoes produce waste, ammonia-rich that gets converted by more bacteria into nitrite which then gets converted to nitrate as a source of nutrient for the plant which absorbs the nitrate right through the leaf wall which is kinda weird because usually plants get nutrients from their roots, but in the case of pitchers, they get it from roots, but they also supplement by getting nutrients through their leaves. Other plants do that too, but it's really cool with pitcher plants, fly traps, butterwort, bladderwort.
1: Yep, those are all carnivorous plants, all endemic to the southeastern coastal plain. And we're about to find some of these others. This is not a friendly place to insects. We haven't yet addressed the most famous carnivorous plant, The Venus flytrap, also endemic to North and South Carolina, even though it's since been introduced in other states. The flytrap has been a threatened species, partly because it was a high-value target for poachers. But Andy Wood says the real danger to the Venus flytrap today is habitat loss, thanks to development. The flytrap's official status, though, recently changed. In late July 2023, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced that because the Venus flytrap is not facing an imminent threat of extinction now or in the foreseeable future, it no longer warrants listing under the Endangered Species Act. In the state of North Carolina, though, the flytrap is still considered a threatened and protected species, and it is still a felony to poach them.
0: Poaching was historically conducted by subsistence families around Holly Shelter, Pender County, and it was primarily uh, African-American community that were enlisted by uh, growers, plant growers, especially in Holland, who would pay them pennies per plant to collect flytrap. And this goes back decades, many decades, before it was illegal to poach. But even after it became illegal to poach, these growers from Holland and other areas would still pay good money for fly traps. But back in the nineties, the, the poachers were aging out. They were in their sixties, seventies and eighties. And it turns out their kids did not want to inherit the tradition. And so poaching fell by the wayside because it fell out of favor with the families that originally did it.
1: Back then, says Andy, they would fill up burlap sacks with hundreds of fly traps they could find in just a few square feet.
0: So they can pluck out thousands of plants in, in a morning. Now the big poaching issue in Holly Shelter is for reptiles and amphibians. People come in here uh, when it's a warm, rainy night, they'll cruise this road when the gates are open, looking for snakes.
1: They're dealers in the black market pet trade, says Andy, from all over the United States. And they get what kind of snakes?
0: Eastern king snake, mole king snake, southern pygmy rattlesnake, timber rattlesnake, rat snakes.
1: Some of those are venomous snakes. Why? Why venomous snakes?
0: Uh, that's all the more appealing because of the, the risk. A pair of pygmy rattlesnakes, uh, especially the red phase that we have here, is worth many hundreds of dollars, maybe a couple of thousand dollars. A healthy eastern chain king snake might be worth 50 bucks. A red phase mole king snake might be worth a couple of hundred dollars. So somebody could come through Holly Shelter and collect a thousand, two thousand dollars worth of snakes in one night.
1: Even though that kind of poaching isn't as profitable as it used to be, Andy says he just doesn't see as many snakes as he used to see in Holly Shelter.
0: Yeah, Holly Shelter is getting hammered and uh, continues to get hammered. But the Wildlife Commission realizes that they're beefing up their enforcement when they
1: can. But resources are limited. There's one more carnivorous plant here in Holly Shelter that we have yet to meet the dwarf sundew. And you
0: can see it's in bloom. So you're here just in time for the sundew bloom.
1: How do they catch their prey? Well, the sundew uses a combination of flytrap and butterwort strategy. This is an active predator.
0: When a tiny ant, thrip, or other insect touches, if you look really closely, you'll see each pad is glistening mm-hmm. Those are dozens of little stalks with a tiny droplet of glue at the end of each stalk. So when an insect bumps into them and vibrates the stalk, it sends an electrical impulse down that stalk to the leaf and that stimulates nearby stalks to fold toward whatever caused that disturbance. And in a couple of the different sundews, and there's different species, that one, when you look at its pad, you'll see the middle of the pad has very short stalks with little droplets of glue, but on the rim are long stalks. So when something touches it, they the long ones fold in, and then you got the short ones. That insect is suddenly wrapped in all of these little tendril-like, almost like an octopus, and secretes acids and enzymes and digests the,
1: and it has to be really tiny insects because that i mean your fingernail is bigger mm-hmm. than that collection of leaves
0: right and there there are insects that are a millimeter in size thrips i've mentioned a couple of times is a common one but springtails and other little tiny insects smaller than a um which is a little tiny biting fly these are tiny tiny insects another butterwort violet Wow, I have not seen this many violet butterwort here. This is a great year. Spreading beautifully.
1: We're walking across what looks like a pretty nondescript open field. It's actually a power line corridor, which is maintained with heavy equipment. But if you look more carefully, you can see there are clumps of small violet butterworts everywhere. I try to avoid stepping on them. We also see Venus flytraps, which often surprise people by how small they are. You have to know where and how to look for them because they're so tiny. What do the flytraps eat? A lot of ants,
0: big red ant, small wasps, usually not that many flies. That's just what it got named, but small insects like that, even snails. We have small terrestrial snails. Andy's pointing to the violet butterwort. When you look at the leaf, It's a rosette of leaves curled on the edges. And when tiny, tiny ants come across or thrips, other very tiny insects, when they walk across that leaf, there are glands on the surface of the leaf that secrete a glue-like substance that mires the legs of the insect. And as the insect struggles, it's sending uh, electrical impulses to the plant's leaf that secrete more of that glue, gluing the insect, and then drowning it kind of like in saliva and digests the soft parts of the insect.
1: Just inches away, we see a few purple pitcher plants. The upright pitcher-shaped leaves are open to collect rainwater, unlike the yellow pitcher plant, which has that protective hood. Andy describes the purple pitcher as squat and ground hugging with leaves that form a vase-like rosette. He pulls out a syringe to suck out liquid from the inside of the plant. He puts a few drops of the liquid on a slide and hands me what is basically a small portable microscope. So, what is all of that? That
0: is the digested remains. This is the the pot liquor out of... A purple pitcher plant leaf. I'm trying to find a safe spot to stop and put my feet in. So,
1: so you just took what was in his stomach that he was eating.
0: <laughs> I just I didn't irrigate its stomach. I did draw from it.
1: So is he going to have to eat a bunch more? Uh, I'm going
0: to put this back. But what I w- wanted
1: to catch... He puts the liquid back into the plant stem. Then he drops some liquid from another pitcher plant onto the deep well slide viewer, that small portable microscope, and he hands it to me.
0: Those are all ant heads.
1: Yes, and there's a there's a. You see that? Yeah, th- there's a, a, a M- midge
0: larvae. I know that's what you wanted to say.
1: Yes. What what's a midge?
0: It's a relative. It's a fly related to mosquitoes. Doesn't bite.
1: It looks like and a worm. It's in there. It's eating the parts. larvae,
0: and it is eating protozoans and bacteria and digested insect parts and pooping out again ammonia and gets converted by bacteria to nitrite nitrate and the plant is the benefactor.
1: Wow. The part of the plant Andy is drawing from, the phytotelma, is a small water-filled cavity in a terrestrial plant. He explains what we've already been seeing, that the water inside the plant is its own habitat, its own ecosystem. Even within one plant, Each stem, each stem has its own ecosystem and none of them are identical. What are you looking for? A
0: mosquito larvae, but of a very particular mosquito. This is your highlight of the day.
1: Oh, that's a mosquito larva?
0: And a pupa.
1: (gasps) So what, so the thing that has the giant head.
0: That's the pupa about to transform to an adult.
1: And is the adult the longer spiny thing? No, that's
0: the larva. Okay. The adult is a very tiny mosquito that eats nectar. It doesn't draw blood.
1: The mosquito larva looks like a long spiny worm. It's it's kind of shrimp-like, actually. And sitting at one end of its body, seemingly way out of proportion in size, is what looks like a very large bobblehead.
0: And that is the southern purple pitcher plant mosquito.
1: So it's specific to the southern purple pitcher plant?
0: Specific. It doesn't... Doesn't draw blood, it pollinates flowers. As do most mosquitoes. Most mosquitoes are pollinators. Only a handful suck blood. And of that handful, it's only the female that sucks blood as a nutrient source for her eggs. Male mosquitoes don't bite. They don't even have a piercing mouth part. So when we wage war on mosquitoes, we're killing more than half of the ones that we don't need to worry with. Mosquito spray kills all arthropods, not just mosquitoes. So if you're wondering where have all the lizards gone? Where have all the tree frogs gone? Where are the birds gone? Do you use mosquito spray? You're starving them. And you're killing this guy, which has nothing to do with us they're just going to go out and pollinate flowers and then come dump eggs in
1: these pitcher plants. Yikes. On the way out, we pass by once again, that first small pond we encountered, the one surrounded by yellow pitcher plants. What is that guy we're hearing?
0: A southern leopard frog. So we have two bladder wards, yellow, purple, and reader eye pitcher plants, flytrap, and butterwort.
1: That's seven carnivorous plants we've identified.
0: All in this one little area. None of this is planted. This just naturally came up in here.
1: We see some fish swimming under the surface.
0: Those are mosquito fish right there. They look just like a guppy. Mm-hmm. So they're eating all the mosquito larvae.
1: So that's why we're not getting eaten by mosquitoes right Correct.
0: now correct
1: maybe nature knows what it's doing thanks as always to andy wood of coastal plain conservation group to find the full episode along with the transcript notes and resources visit whqr.org or your favorite podcast platform and thank you for joining us i'm rachel lewis hilburn in the wild coastal plain